want us to do some thinking. Thanks, Carol. I want us to do some thinking before we participate together in a very common phrase that at this church, because we celebrate communion every Sunday, words that you'll hear every Sunday here at this church. They're words that I think we need to understand. They're words that... Um, the words that will be powerful for us in our participation in the Lord's Supper. And so we're going to take a look at those words now. But I've been reminded very graciously by Judy that the children could be dismissed at this point. Isn't that amazing how she can just sort of stand there and I get it? And it takes a lot for me to get this. So kids, you're welcome to head out if you want to head out now. So the words that you'll hear each Sunday here, or part of the words that you'll hear each Sunday here, are these words. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This cup, of course, we, we participate in the Lord's Supper. We, we take these little cups, and they've got some juice in there, and, and they represent the blood of Christ. They're words that Christ left for us. They're words that Christ wanted to use to, to capture or to encapsulate, if you will, the purpose of his incarnation. In other words, why he came to the earth. Why he lived the life he did. Why he subjected himself to the death he did and why he was resurrected, why he rose from the grave. To put it simply, he did all this to initiate, to initiate a new covenant. <coughs> a new covenant in his blood. It's a new covenant between God himself and us, humanity. Now, a new covenant presupposes that there's an Old covenant. And in Hebrews we read these words. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. And so when Christ came to usher in a new covenant between God and man, between himself as one of the three persons of the Trinity and us, he did this so that we could have a new relationship with God. And it was to replace an old covenant that was in existence. Um, I suspect that not many, if any of us here in this little gathering that we have here this Sunday morning, are, are Jews by birth or, or by religious practice. <clears throat> So we're not real familiar with this idea of, of covenant, um, and in particular this covenant that is commonly known as the Old Covenant. This covenant or this agreement between God and humanity was a, a conditional agreement that God made with His people, the Israelites, or the Jewish people. 
It was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. And we know, you know, the most familiar part of the Ten Commandments, but there's lots of other stuff that's involved in what is the Old Covenant, uh, also known as, as the Law. It, this covenant contained all of the commands that God made upon the Jewish people that would ensure God's blessing on them. Here's a, a brief summation of the agreement. Just sort of a summary statement we find in Deuteronomy 30. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. You notice, if you do this, if you obey these commandments, but if your heart turns away and, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you will surely perish. Now, if we were to read Leviticus or we were to read Deuteronomy or Exodus, and you look in there and you start to see the law and how comprehensive it is, it's a whole lot of rules and regulations that are to govern, were to govern the Jewish people around uh, social relationships or their diet, okay? Uh, how to do business, how, how to um, relate to each other economically. I mean, it, it covered, it's comprehensive. And there's just so much to it. There's so many rules, there's so many regulations. And God said, obey this and you'll have my blessing. Well, God knew, even as he was making that covenant, that the Jewish people, and it's not just the Jewish people, you and me, okay? It's not just, it's not just a particular group of people, knew that none of us would actually ever be able to live up to the expectations of that old, old covenant, the law. You'd have to be perfect to be able to live up to those expectations. And the problem is that if you just break one little piece of it, you broke all of it. So this is tough, right? This is, this is re really difficult. So is this some kind of cruel hoax that God was doing on the Jewish people? Oh sure, he called it his people, but he was like up to tricks with them and sort of said, here, just do this and you'll get my blessing, but you're never going to be able to do that. Is that what God is like? Oh, not at all. What the law or this old covenant was doing, what its purpose was, was all about preparing humanity for this new covenant. So the Old Covenant prepared humanity for the New Covenant. So it has a real purpose. It prepared us for a better covenant, which was initiated by, you guessed it, the blood of Christ. It was initiated by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's what kicked in the New Covenant 
and fulfilled actually the old covenant. How did it accomplish this? How did how did the blood of Christ? Um, no, how did the the Old Testament, I should say, prepare us for the new covenant? So let's just take a look at re really quickly just a few things. First of all, the Old Covenant, all those rules and regulations of the Old Covenant given to Moses on Mount Sinai, we call it the law. All of those things set a standard for what God's expectations were. And the fact that we would never be able to achieve it should give you a pretty good idea of how holy and awesome God is. His expectations exceed our ability to achieve them on our own. We can't do it. And so, it set the standard. The Old Covenant set the standard. Secondly, it explicitly indicated what thoughts and behaviors were offensive to God. It said, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. This is bad. This is evil. And it wasn't just like, you know, he's so particular. <laughs> It's not like that. It's a matter of he knows what is best for us. He made us. He created us. He knows what is best for us. And we are built, we were designed, we were created to be in relationship with him. And so we need to get rid of all the clutter that interferes, the static, that interferes with our relationship with God. So it does that too. So it sets the standard so we know how holy God is and his expectations. It explicitly indicates the thoughts and behaviors that were offensive to God, or sin is another word for that. And it indicated the cost of that sin. Now this is the part that's kind of gross. Because in fact, death Blood, spilt blood, the draining of the life blood is the cost of our sin. And so within that law, there was all kinds of animal sacrifices that had to be uh, paid to God to cover over our sins. We find out later, and we'll read, we'll read here in a few minutes, it didn't, it didn't solve the issue, but it at least appeased the holy God. And so there were sacrifices daily. Because if I was doing sacrifices for my sins, I'd keep a priest busy 24-7, just myself. Right? You too, right? Because blood needed to be shed for the sins that we committed because that's how offensive sin is to a holy God. It's starting to sound really miserable, isn't it? How can this new covenant... Well, maybe the new covenant's starting to sound real good <laughs> because that old covenant, kind of messy, unattainable, costly, So let's just take a look at some lessons that we can learn from Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Hebrews is a book written to 
Jews who had put their faith in Christ Jesus as their Messiah. So they believed what Jesus taught about himself, that he was the Son of God, and that he was the coming Messiah, and that they should put their faith and trust in him. So this church was largely composed of people who were Jewish ethnically and religiously, but they had now become Christians. So they were very familiar with the law. They were very familiar with this old covenant, with all of the high expectations, with the sacrifices, with, with, with the idea of the holiness of God. And the writer of Hebrews wrote words that start to help us to understand the words that you hear here every Sunday. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. The new covenant, initiated by Christ's sacrifice, addressed once and for all time the inadequacies of the old system, the old law, the old covenant. So I'm going to take a look at just a few passages taken from Hebrews 10 that are going to be helpful to us in understanding how Christ ushered in this new covenant in his blood. Let's start at verse 1. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. You see, it's sort of like the precursor. For this reason, it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped? I mean, once they did it once, it would be done. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. And so even though it was God-ordained, it was what was in place, it was only a precursor to what the blood of Christ would do. Then we read on in verse 11. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his relig religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, and now we won't get into this because this is an, another really cool, rich thing, and that was that Jesus serves as a high priest. But let's not go there right now. Let's just know that when he says this priest, he's talking about Jesus. But when Jesus had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Done. Once. Not daily, trying to keep up with Tim Edwards' sins. All the blood all over the place. Because he's an awful sinner. He did it once. And sat down next to God the Father. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. That sounds like a better covenant. Right? A lot tidier. Not when you think of the cross, though. And we will think of the cross, what Christ did, what he suffered, how he died, the blood 
that was poured out, what he did for us, that one sacrifice. Let's go on to verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. You see, by that one sacrifice, we are made right with God. By a new and living way open for us, new covenant through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for we, for he who has promised is faithful. So you can see that whereas the old covenant was built around Israel's efforts to keep up with our sins and keep doing sacrifices in order to acquire the blessings of God, the new covenant is simply a gift that we simply have faith in what Jesus Christ did, that his one-time sacrifice has taken care of our sins and that we are made right with God if we simply, as it says there, put our faith in Jesus Christ. I put my faith in Jesus Christ and I am covered by his righteousness. I am made holy. I can actually enter the presence of a holy God without fear of being struck down because I'm a, a lousy sinner. I sin still, don't get me wrong, but I am covered by the righteousness that Christ has given me by shedding his blood as that one effective sacrifice. It's a gift. The new covenant is a gift of God. It's a gift of grace. In other words, God's riches at Christ's expense. We get relationship with the holy God because Christ was willing to pay the price because you see it was our price that he was paying we were the ones who should have suffered not Christ it's my sin that nailed him to the cross all we have to do is accept it by faith that Christ's sacrifice is effective enough to make us right with God. You know, some of us accept Jesus Christ as our priest, but we put him to work in our heads as if he was an old covenant priest. Think about that for a second. Some of us see Jesus as a priest in that he's He's taking care of our sins for us. But we think of his, him as an old covenant priest who's got to be working all the time to keep up with our sins because every time he's got to do something about our sin. He did it once and for all. For all time. He's sitting down right now at the right hand of God the Father. He's chilling right now. His work is done in making us right with God. All we have to do is put faith and our trust in Him. Now, I know some of you guys are awful sinners. <laughs> and I know that some of you are devious, too, because I know what you're thinking. 
you're thinking, hmm, perfect. All I do is put my faith in God and in Jesus Christ. I'm made acceptable to God so I can sin all I want. Right? Tell me you weren't thinking that. I know you were. Right? Goes on in Hebrews 10. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of Christ. Essentially, we are saying, Christ, you died for nothing. And that's such an offense to a loving and holy God. And so, let me close with Ephesians 2, 8-9. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from ourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by work, so that no one can boast. It's not based on us trying to live up to the expectations of the law. We can't do it. We fail miserably, no matter how good you are. And some of you think you're good enough. You're not you will never live up to the holy expectations of God. You just can't do it. The only way to be made right with God is by putting your faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He paid the price once and for all. That's grace. And that's why we come together on Sunday morning. And that's why we remember the words of Christ. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Now some of you are thinking, wow, Tim spoke a long time about communion. Is he giving a sermon later too? <laughs> no, I'm not. Krista says, no, you're not. <laughs> Bonnie says, yay. No. But I have done something for our study in Acts. Next week we're studying Acts 10. And it's where the rubber hits the road. It's about how these Jewish Christians start to understand how free this new covenant is. Remember, they're coming from this world of do's and don'ts and I gotta add up, I gotta measure up to God, gotta do all this stuff <coughs> to all of a sudden you forget that. I took care of it for you. What's that look like when you live your life? Acts 10 next week. Come back for that. That's my plug. But for now we're going to get ready for communion. Hopefully now maybe appreciating more fully what those words are, what they mean, that this cup is the new covenant in my blood. How the old covenant has been replaced by a new covenant that is a better covenant. But not that the old one was bad, because it had its purpose. But it's run its course, it's run its purpose, and now it's ushered in Jesus Christ who met the requirements of the Old Covenant for us. All right, so we're going to sing a song of preparation for communion.
If you're serving, I'd invite you to come forward during the singing and uh, let's celebrate the grace of Christ.
worship him with all of our life. And so it was on the night that Jesus was betrayed, that he took some bread and, and, and broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Uh, do this in remembrance of me. And then at the end of the meal, he took um, a cup, and he said, this cup is the what? The new covenant in my blood. Right? Do this in remembrance of me. And so let's give thanks. Dear Heavenly Father, what a wonderful plan. It seems so much that uh, we hear how simplistic Christianity is and what a crutch it is and how uh, simple it is. Not sophisticated. But Lord, as we look into these things and we see the ancient truths and how you have worked out your plan of salvation over time. We're in awe. And we're particularly in awe because we are the object of your grace. We receive your grace. There's no way we could have lived up to your holiness without Christ. And so Christ, thank you so much for what you have done. And so we do remember. We do remember with great gratitude. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.